This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, what we would like to share a little with you about today, you probably already see it, but we want to talk about breaking free. Is there ever anything in your life that you need to break free from? Yes. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, in Romans chapter 6, verse 15, in the Message Bible, it says, So since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? No. Hmm. No. Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? No. No. Verse 16 says, hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you started listening to a new master. His name be Jesus. One whose command sets you free to live openly in his freedom. You know, a cowboy who became a Christian, he said, I feel like there are two horses pulling in opposite directions in my life. You ever felt that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something's pulling this way, something's pulling that way. Which one wins? Whichever one I feed and say, giddy up to. So which one do you feed? You know, which one do you say get up to? Think about that. We're in a civil war and part of us wants to do what is right and part of us doesn't. It's a crash like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know. So Romans chapter 6 verse 19 goes on to say, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. Trying to picture what it it looks like. You know, maybe visualizing some chains. God bless you. God bless you. You can readily recall, can't you? How at one time, the more you did, just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is It now, as you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness, as long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or with right anything for that matter. But do you call that a, do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? 
nothing you're proud of now, where did it get you? To a dead end. But now that you've found, you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. You found that out. And you've discovered the delight of listening to God tell you. What a surprise. A whole healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. If you just work for sin. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. The sinful nature, that's the root of every sinful act of self-interest, the sinful nature, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces... These two ways of life are constantly fighting each other. They're adverse. They're hostile towards one another so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions without such conflict. Mark chapter 14, verse 38, Jesus says, stay alert. Stay alert. Be in prayer. So you don't enter the danger zone. Be in prayer. So you don't enter the danger zone. Doesn't sound like a place we want to be, right? It sounds kind of dangerous. Mm -hmm. In the danger zone, don't it? Stay alert. You used to talk about a slippery creek bank. Yep. That would be considered a danger zone. Yeah, if you play around a slippery creek bank very long, you will fall in. There ain't no doubt about that. Mm Stay alert, be in prayer, so you don't enter the danger zone. Without even knowing it, don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God. Now the Spirit's willing, but another part, the flesh which is weak, is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. You ever see an old dog sleeping by the fire? Mm Mm-hmm. Ever start a good habit or break a bad habit only to fall back into the same routine in a few weeks? You know, as we're nearing the end of the year, we may start thinking about New Year's resolutions and what we want to do differently in, in the new year. But usually they don't last. Good intentions are seldom good enough. The results are predictable. Confusion... Frustration, defeat, discouragement. He said confusion. Why do I keep making the same mistake? I don't understand myself. I know it's bad for me. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The King James there says, For God is not the author of confusion. You know? Frustration. I have the desire to do what's right, but 
not the power. I, I'm, I'm frustrated because i got the desire, but I don't have the power. You know, we start a diet with great intentions only to fail as dinner time approaches, you know. We've got the motivation, but we don't have the determination. We've got the desire, but we don't have the power. Self-help books tell us what to do, but they don't give us the power. They don't give us the power to change areas of our life. Not self-help books. The only book that you might could call a self-help book would be the Bible. That's the only one that really works. And it really genuinely will help you in absolutely amazing, unbelievable kinds of ways. My life is a mess, a failure. I just can't change. Have you ever said something like that? How many promises have I made to God or myself and I've broken them? Forget it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of trying. Ever felt that way? There is good news for you. There, there really is good news. And it's available to every man, woman, boy, and girl. You know, you can change. You can change. I don't care who you are. I'm telling you, you can change. The, the power is available. And you can break free of the failure of defeat. You can change. The Bible makes these principles very, very clear. Listen to what it says here. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God is working in you. God's working in you. Did I miss anybody? God is working in you. Giving you the desire. You've got to have the desire. And the power. Second comes the power. But you've got to have a desire to do what God wants you to do. And then he'll give you the power to do what pleases him. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's one of my favorite verses. You know, it hasn't always been. But in the last few years, that is huge. You know, just to recognize that God is working in us. It's not just left up to us. We can invite him to yeah. work within us. And he's the one that gives us the desire and the power. We're not just trying to muster it up on our own and muscle our way through things. But we're surrendering to him, letting him work in us. That, that's huge. It's a very powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Let me read one more time. For God is working in you. If that's true, and it is, mm -hmm. that really changes our whole perspective. Definitely. God's doing something in me that I can't do. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. John 8, verse 31, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teachings. You keep obeying my teachings, you know? And if you stick with it, living out what I tell you, he's telling you, you keep obeying my teachings, and it, it really changes things. Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying 
my teachings. And you will know the truth. If you're obeying his teachings, you're reading them. Hide them in your heart. And you will know. That that's talking about an experience. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Free from what? From whatever traps you, imprisons you, and, and binds you. You ever have anything that entraps you? Yes. You know? The secret to personal change, if you want some personal change, the secret to personal change is not willpower. Well, what if I have willpower? Well, it's really not the secret to personal change. You'll fail many times over. Willpower alone doesn't work. It really doesn't. You hear people talking about, well, you just got to have willpower. Well, willpower just don't get it alone, you know. Either being a part of a, well, those things they call a fat farm, you know, or, or all kinds of pills that are in these bottles that says it will do this and that and resolutions and gimmicks. Jesus said the way to break free from a hurt, from a habit, from a hang-up and whatever, the way to break free is by knowing the truth. By knowing the truth. The truth is God's word. Mm -hmm. And I venture to say that everybody here probably has a Bible. Or they, there is one or a dozen available to you. You know. That's just the truth of it. You know. The way you think determines the way you feel. The way you feel determines the way you act. If I'm acting depressed it's because I feel depressed. If I feel depressed, it's because I'm thinking depressed. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Let God transform you. Let, let God. Uh, allow God. He wants to bring about a transformation. He wants to bring about this awesome, wonderful change in our life. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's where it really begins. At. It is. It has a lot to do with our thinking. As you had said, the way you think determines the way you feel. The way you feel determines the way you act. If I'm acting depressed, it's because I feel depressed. And if I feel depressed, it's because I'm thinking depressed. And it's all intertwined. It begins this cycle. And yesterday was our daughter Miracle's 27th birthday. Can you believe it? She's 27 years old. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing yep. day. But 41 years ago on that day, on December the 9th, we had a, another baby that was born stillborn. His name was Andrew James. And so December the 9th is kind of a tough day for me. I have mixtures of emotions of sadness and joy. And combined to that, Miracle was a twin, when she was, when I was about eight to ten weeks into the pregnancy, I miscarried her twin. When she got to be about five years old, you know, we named her twin Bethany Joy. And when she was about five years old, she came running up to me and she said, Mama, what if, what if that, my, my twin was not a girl and you named him Bethany Joy? And we're like, all right, and you know, we're not going to know that till we get to heaven. But you know, there's all kinds of emotions that I was dealing with. So I woke up yesterday morning thinking, 
oh no, you know, um, it's, it's here, today's the day, you know, and, and we, I started a tradition with our kids uh, when they were younger um, that we would get up on their birthday at sunrise and we would watch the sunrise together. And I would tell them details about their birth and about the, just the miracles that God worked in, you know, in us ha- starting to have kids again when our oldest son was 16 years old. And uh, so we, you know, started having kids again. But, um, you know, I would tell them those details. So yesterday morning, now that they're all adults, you know, I still do that with James while he's still at home. This year will be my last year getting to do that with him, I guess, as he's getting married next year. But, um we would, you know, I got up at sunrise, I take a picture, you know, of the sunrise, and I send the kids a text and just let them know I'm praying for them. And I would always pray God's blessing on them, you know, during that special time that I had with them. But yesterday morning, you know, I really didn't even want to get out of bed. I didn't even want to see the sunrise, to be honest with you. I just wanted to stay in bed and not get up all day. And I knew I had a choice. I knew that the feelings of feeling sad and kind of depressed were trying to rise up because I was thinking that way. And uh, I knew I had a choice to make, you know, that I could either allow myself to go that direction or I could get up, go see the sunrise, pray for my daughter Miracle. Thank God that she was born out of 365 days a year that God could have chosen for our daughter Miracle to be born. He chose the day that Andrew James was born 14 years before she was born. He chose that day to give us a miracle. That's why she's named Miracle. You know, so I had a choice to make. If I had decided to stay in bed, I wouldn't have been here last night. I wouldn't be here this morning. You know, but I I choose instead to see God's hand at work and how God, even that heartache, how he turned it around and worked it together for good. It's a testimony in Miracle's life. It's a testimony in my life. And like last week, we were talking about how God comforts us when we go through things so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that he has comforted us with. And he's, he's allowed me to do that all through the years to be able to offer comfort to people who go through similar things because been, we've been through it. We've been through it. Yep. And we've been through it together. I remember going home that night singing the song and worshiping God, singing in moments like these. I'll sing out a song. I'll sing out a love song to Jesus. When we came home from the hospital, empty-armed, you know. But God, He has an amazing plan. And even when things look dark in your life or things things don't turn out the way you thought they would, we can trust God. He has never failed us, has He? No, He has not. But we have a choice. In the way we look at things, we have a choice and we must make the right choice. We must. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, let God, allow God to do this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. And you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. John chapter 8 verse 32 says, And God will know. And you will know. I'm sorry, it says, And you will know the truth. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. 
And, and knowing the truth, it actually shows up in our life. You know, to, to change the way we act, we, we have to change the way we think. Now let me go back up here to Romans chapter 12, verse 2 again. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Can I ask you a question? I just thought of this and thought of it in the other services, but when it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, who is changing the way we think? Are we changing the way we think and therefore it's allowing God to transform us? Because I, I don't know that he, he can change the way we think unless we're willing. Who, God? Right. God changes the way we think. But he changes it through us submitting to the truth of his word. It's just like the Bible. Any, any of you guys ever read your Bible? Yeah. Did, did, you, did you change and agree with what the word said? We did, yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what we have to do. We That's have to get what in changes line. the way we think is the truth of his word. It is. Let God transform you into a new person by, let him transform you by changing the way you think. That's what he's saying right here. And John chapter 8, verse 32 says, And you will know, and this is talking about you'll experience this for your very own self, and you will know the truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, knowing the truth, you know, it, it shows up in our life. It really will. And, you know, I want the truth of God's word in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, to change the way we act, you know, we have to change the way we think. Changing our thinking changes our action. It's very, very important, you know. We've got to have the truth. That transforms us. And God's word. Uh, have you ever read your Bible? Yes. Yeah, about seven, eight people. Yeah. <laughs> Reading the Bible, it transforms us. It genuinely does. Yes. And I cannot challenge you enough to start reading that Bible. It's like, wow, this is powerful. This changes things in my life, you know. And we, we got to have the truth. And the truth, it really changes the way we think about all kinds of things. Anyhow, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says the thief, and that happens to be the devil, the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose is to steal from you, to kill, you know, something that's dear to you, and destroy. That's the devil's whole purpose. And you just don't give him the time of day. You reprimand him, you rebuke him, you know. You, you command him to depart. That's John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy Jesus says, my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. And you know, by keeping us away from the truth, the devil changes things in our life. It really does, you know. It says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy by keeping us away from the truth. Mm -hmm. Keeping us away from God's word. That's what he wants to do. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy from us mm -hmm. by keeping us away from the truth, which will set us free. That's right. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. 
He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning. And he has always hated the truth because the truth sets us free. And he's always hated the truth. And there is no truth in him, not the devil. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a a liar. He's a pretender, an imposter. He's an angel of light, you know. He's the father of lies. And behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie. And behind every lie is Satan. So it's not good to lie. Because that kind of puts you in his ballpark. It's not good to believe lies. No, well, you want to find the truth. Absolutely. Believing something about myself that isn't true, that's a lie. Believing something about myself that isn't true, that's a lie. Believing something about others that isn't true is a lie. Believing something about God that isn't true is a lie. Believing something about success or failure that isn't true is a lie. Believing something about life that isn't true is a lie. Believing something about my past that isn't true it is a lie. The thing is, is that is the the ruling factor in so many people's lives these days. They are absolutely just believing lies. This whole world that we live in is always dishing out lies. Big time. Yeah. They're Through. being taught lies. They're being, you know, lies are being broadcast, you know, and people are believing lies about themselves. They, well, don't, they, they really don't know are. who they really are. They're and, believing lies about others. And the, the, the school system and all the systems here in this world right now has changed big time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they don't believe God and they want to, you know, get away from him. And they don't want anybody to read the Bible. They don't want people to change. Anyhow, it says it right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in a relationship with Christ, he is a new creation. You're new. A creation that never existed before. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what God's word says. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And then Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, he says, And you will know, you'll experience this for yourself, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. Set you free. Set you free. free. And and we must acknowledge the root of our problems. I don't know if you've ever done that. Nobody likes to talk about those kinds of problems or even mention it. It's an uncool, very unsophisticated thing, and and we don't even like to pronounce it. It's the root of all of our problems. And and that root of all of our problems is called sin. It's the root of all of our problems, and the devil wants us to sin. He wants us to give in to his whispers to us. He wants us to disobey the almighty God. You know, that's what he wants to do. But, you know, that sin, when you you hear the word sin, think of a rattlesnake, okay? Mm -hmm. Sin, you know, not getting high on drugs. 
not getting drunk, not running off with some you know, body's spouse, but sin is an attitude that says, I'm in charge. I don't need God. That's what sin will say. You know, I don't need God because I'm in charge. Are you in charge? No. We'll do a very lousy job if we are. If we submit ourselves to the Almighty God and yield ourselves to Him, you know, we're going to be in a very safe place. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all. Now, what percentage is that? 100%. 100%. For all have sinned, and all, there again, that's 100% again, all have sinned, and all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know? We, we make things worse when we pretend that sin is not a problem. Is, is sin a problem in your life? If you allow it to rule and reign in your thoughts, in your actions, your, your lack of actions, you know, we, we make things worse when we pretend that sin is not a problem. First John chapter 1 verse 8 says... If we say we have no sin, well, I don't have no sin in my life. If we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. Mm-hmm. Fooling ourselves could be also considered deceiving ourselves. Yeah. You know, if we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. And we refuse to accept the truth. So we can't be free. Not, not free the way God wants us to be. And the root problem is, I think I'm in charge. If you think you're in charge, well, I don't need God because I'm in charge. You know, you ever feel like you're in charge? No. <laughs> what can you say to a question like that? Especially in front of everybody. <laughs> Sometimes I try to be in charge, though. But it always leads to trouble. It does. Always. And what does that lead to? Us repenting. Repentance. Saying, God, please forgive me. We all have that battle inside, you know, to obey God or not to obey God. So we must admit that we're powerless to control our situation. Mm -hmm. We, We really can't control it. We need the almighty God, you know. (laughs) <laughs> says, if you were asked, what's the biggest problem? Most psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, pastors would say, people wait too long to get help. They wait too long to get help. They won't acknowledge your problem. You know, my wife just came in. This is the husband sharing with the counselor what had happened. My wife just came in and she dropped the bomb. She said, I'm walking out. I'm fed up. The marriage is over. And then he says, what can I do? And the answer is very little at this point. Because you've waited too long. You know? First step to break free is to admit that you're in bondage and you need to get free, you know? 
I've got a problem. I've got areas in my life that are out of control. I've been in charge and I've been trying to solve it without God. Interesting, isn't it? You know, I don't know how many years it's been. Uh, I went fishing at a place where we would go. We'd go camp for a day or a day off. And I would go down there. We went down there and got our stuff all set up. And I went fishing. Yeah. And y'all went and took a nap. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, and when I went fishing, I, I went down the bank to the river. And I had a fly rod. And I was fishing with a fly rod, you know, and behind me, about as far as from me to Susan, was just bunches of trees and bushes and rocks and things, you know. So what's going to happen if you pull your fly rod back into the... So you don't do that. You've learned how to, to do a roll cast, you know. So you're standing here and you, you begin to pull the, the, the rod up and it's dragging the line that's floating on the water. It's dragging it closer. And then right here, it starts going up in the air. And then you get it right there, and then you go. And that line just whips around, and it goes way out there, however much line you've got rolled out there, you know? So you just pull it straight up, and you zip it out there. You ever done that? Pretty cool. But you've got to practice it a few times. Because when you do that, if you're not careful, you'll do what I did. And I caught something. My nose. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I didn't do just a little gingerly catch. Because when I hit something, I set a hook. Because I plan on taking it home with me if I can. You know? And I was able to take my nose home with me. You know? Yes. But you think about this. This is what happened to me. I was pulling that thing up there and I whipped it around and it just came up and it brushed against my nose. But when it brushed against my nose, it was a small hook and it just sank deep into the uh, cartilage of my nose, went into it, came out one of my nostrils down there somewhere, you know, and got a piece of skin on the other side of my my uh, nose there. Anyhow, you know, I mean, you're probably kind of like me. You know, you're pretty tough, right? Yeah. That's what the guys would say. Yeah. Anyhow, I was pretty tough, and I used all my strength. And I did everything I could do. And I got that hook, and I turned it the right way, and I used all my strength. I didn't care. You know, I, just, I won't get that hook out of there. But I could not get the hook out. Yeah, he actually said, I don't care if I pull a chunk out of my nose. I'm going to get that hook out. And I almost fainted in the process of watching him try to do that. I wasn't much help. Exactly right. <laughs> but I came to the place where I had to admit I needed some help. And, you know, <clears throat> this is the campground. And probably about a, a quarter of a mile from where the campground was at, there was a fly shop. And I... I knew the guy <coughs> pretty well. I said, I'm going to go down there. I mean, if anybody can get a fly unhooked from you, he would be able to do that. So I went down there, hopped off my truck, and went in, and he was not there. His wife was running the place. And what she said is like, 
I can't help you, sir. I can't help you. You have to come back when he's here. I can't help you. So that's all she would tell me. I can't help you, you know? You didn't describe how you looked going in there, though. Well, I was wearing my waders, but apparently she's seen guys wearing waders in there, and my boots and my, my hat, and I was carrying my uh, fry rod in there and all. And so she just kept backing away and backing away and saying she really couldn't help me. And uh, But when you are hooked like that, you genuinely need some help. Because I tried several times. And I'm talking about, I'm not no weakling. And I put every ounce of strength I had into getting the hook out of my nose. But because it went through the bone, the cartilage there, and it went around and got into some of the muscle there and all, I could not with all my might, and I genuinely tried to get it out of my nose, and I could not get it out of my nose. So I stepped outside and there was another little place right beside the fry shop because the guy who owned the fry shop, his dad ran a little uh, deli, a little grill right up there. And he was up in his 80s somewhere. And he came out there because he was a fly fisherman too. He said, come over here. He was trying to get me out so all of his customers and their eating wouldn't <laughs> see my nose, you know. So we went out behind the place to the garage and he had me to lean up against the uh, garage there. Against a ladder. Yeah. yeah well, it felt like we were in some kind of old western movie or something. Well, anyhow, I leaned up against the, the, the shed there and then he had me on the ladder and I grabbed a hold of it and he was just a jerking away and he was pulling away and he was pulling this and he was doing that. And then his wife, who was about his age, she came out there and said, you leave that man alone. <laughs> And she gave him a good scolding and a good fuss and that. This actually happened to us, you know. And so after she kind of left, well, he plugged away just a little bit more, but then he left me alone. And then I, I, I knew what I needed to do. I needed some help because the, the, the people who I went to who I thought could help me, they really couldn't, you know. And so I said, you know, I just need to go to the hospital. And uh, the hospital was probably, I don't know, about 45 minutes, an hour away from us. So I went to the hospital. I parked in a little place where you park. And then I walked with my waders still on, my, my vest. It has all my fishing lures in it there, my fishing cap. And I walked in there. And a green fly in your nose. And a green fly hanging out the end of my nose with about, you know, three, four feet of fishing line hung on to the end of it. And when I walked in, one of the first things the lady at the desk who registered, she says, oh, we get a lot of those. <laughs> really encouraging, don't you think? But so she went ahead and she contacted the doctor and told him what was going on. And then he was preparing, you know, to come down and to meet me and to take me off to this little room that has a stainless steel table in the thing. And to tell me to lay down on the table. I've still got my waders and all on, you know. Because maybe I'm going to go fishing again. Who knows, you know. But uh, so he comes over there. He's talking to me a little bit. And he's got these like headlights on. So he can see very clearly there. Uh, and then he reaches up and grabs a hold of the, it's a great big lamp on top. And you just, it's spring loaded. And you just pull the whole thing down. And he started working on my nose, and he banged his head really hard on that light. 
And I'm going, hey, Doc, are you okay? I don't know if I want him cutting on my nose if he's kind of, you know, out of control here for a few moments. That's all. But uh, he, he, he was okay. And in a couple of minutes, you know, we got everything kind of situated. Although he had a bump on his head by this time. And then he started working on my nose. And he was asking me about uh, getting a tetanus shot. And I said, hey, I, I've had a tetanus shot in the last month. I don't need another one. I mean, I had. And I was going to verify it because I didn't need another shot, you know. I didn't really care about shots no, at all. He, he always said he would rather face a grizzly bear with a pocket knife than to take a shot. And that is <laughs> He didn't truth. like shots. That's why I always got my grizzly bear killing knife in my pocket, you know. But uh, he, he started working on me, and then he, he popped it out. You know, well, I shouldn't say just popped it out. It took him a couple minutes to work on it and to, uh, to, to get it loose and to pull it out, you know, and then I was free to go, do whatever I, I wanted to do. But I had to admit to him when I first got there, I have a problem. And that's what we have to do. We have to admit, hey, I've got a problem. And that's what I did. I admitted that I, I had a problem and I need to get some help to get rid of this problem, you know. And that was on Wednesday. And the next day, was Thursday, and we had a church service right here, you know, in this same building, you know. And that night, uh, I shared with people what happened, and, you know, they all laughed and chuckled and hooted and howled and, and all that kinds of stuff as I was telling them what happened. And, and then I shared with them, I said, are you stuck in any area of your life? Are you caught up in... And some kind of bondage? Is there a hook in you? And everybody just kind of got really quiet and they listened who was talking about it. And then we invited people in the church surface that, that night. We invited them if, if they were hooked in any area of their life. And we could list a whole lot of areas that you could get hooked in, you know. We invited them and uh, there was not anybody in the sanctuary. Everybody was up around the altar. That's where they're at because they wanted to get some prayer. They, they wanted some help in areas of their life where they, there was bondage, but they really couldn't get free. And that night we prayed for everybody and everybody went home rejoicing. And they were so thankful because God had set them free. And he specializes in setting us free because his word tells us that. And I cannot encourage you enough. You know, you don't just wait for someone to preach or teach or share God's word, but you get your own Bible out. And you can look it up in the encyclopedia, the index there, and you can read and find out what the Bible says. And it tells you all kinds of wonderful things in there about how to get free, how to stay free. Because God wants us genuinely to be free. He really does. So I challenge you to get your Bible out. Take it home. Open it up, begin to read the areas where you've got some hooks in your nose, maybe. You know, there's lots of other things that you may have that are causing bondage in your life. And, and we're not criticizing that at all. We're just saying, you know what? Jesus has made it available for you and I to get free and to stay free. That's what he really wants for our lives. In John chapter 8, let me see here. Am I in the right place here? Yes, you are. 
verse 34, yes, in the Message Bible, Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life. When you choose a life of sin, you choose to watch things, listen to things, participate in things that are sinful. He says right here, I tell you, this is Jesus. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly, that's not with a a giggle in his voice, solemnly. I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is in fact a slave of sin. You say, I feel powerless to change. I, I, I can't get control. I have the desire to change, but I don't have the power. Is there any hope? What's the answer to that question? Yes. Yes, it is. And it's through Jesus Christ. And through his word, there is hope for us all. You know, believe that Christ can change you. Do you believe he can change you? Yes. Do you believe that Christ can change you? Yes. Regardless of what it is, where he tries to entrap us, almighty God sets us free. Romans chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. And that's the way you feel when you got a hook stuck in your nose, you know? Oh, what a miserable person I am. He says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? And then verse 25 says, Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. God has the power, you know. And we've got to believe what Christ has said and that he can change everything about us. He can set us free from what has created bondage in our life. 100%. That's just the way Jesus actually is. There was a Chinese Christian who came to America and shared his Christian testimony in this way. I'd walked through the road of life and I'd fallen into a great ditch of sin. Mohammed came along and said, you're not really in that ditch. You just think you are. And that's what the devil will say. You're not really in there. You just think you are. The devil's a liar. Buddha came along and said, here are seven steps by which you can get out of the ditch. If you climb and struggle, you'll come out. I strove, but I could not get out. That's the same kind of thing the devil's going to tell us. Confucius came by and said, here are ten steps to self-attainment by which you can get out of the ditch. If you'll come halfway, I'll come the other halfway and help you out. Struggle as I would, I was still in the pit of sin, of hopelessness and helplessness. That's what the devil will always do. That's the way he responds to us. But then one day Jesus Christ came by. Jesus saw my condition. Without a word of advice, he stripped himself of his regal robe, got down into the ditch, into the muck, into the sin. He got down and lifted me up. Lifted me up. Thank God. What I could not do for myself, Christ did for me. That's awesome, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Christ can do for you what you can't do for yourself. And in reality, I wasn't saying it trying to be funny. I really couldn't get out of that hook. Mm -mm. And I really gave it my best. You know, everything that I could possibly do, I tried to get set free. Mm -hmm. Because I really didn't like doctors. Nothing personal, but I didn't like the needles and all those things.
but I willingly went there because I needed somebody to help me, and they were a specialist in that area of setting me free. And maybe, you know, you are in bondage in some area of your life, and you just need to go to somebody and just say, hey, would you pray for me that I get free from this area of my life? Mm-hmm. And it can be a thousand different things. really can. But we have to acknowledge that. John chapter 8, verse 36, in the Message Bible, it says, So if the Son, his name is Jesus, so if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. You are free indeed. You are free in truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, So now there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the living, giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Jesus, he is the the freedom giver. He's the one who can break any bondage and he can set us free. It says in Phillips, the Phillips translation, it says, for the new spiritual principle of life in Jesus Christ lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin. I'm talking about Jesus is really the one who sets us free. And he specializes, he really does, in setting us free. And, uh, you know, what what does the scripture say where it talks about Jesus is the one who sets us free? And what does that talk about? He's the only way we can get to the Father. Mm -hmm. You familiar with that verse? Yeah. What's it say? Well, he says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. way the truth. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. Yes, do. So, what was I talking about? That <laughs> Jesus said, I am the way, the says, truth. I am the way. And the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Did you know? There is not a way to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. If you choose a, well, I, I don't need Jesus. You just said, I don't need to ever go to heaven. Because Jesus is the only way. The only way. He says it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus says. Yeah. And so if we want salvation, if we want the forgiveness of sin, we must put our trust in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Where am I at again? He says, not I have truth, not that I'm pointing to the truth, not that I'm searching for truth. Jesus says what? I am the truth. I am the truth, and I'm the one who will set you free. You know, and, and that brings us to the next point. We need to commit all that we are and all that we have and all that we well, well, do, we need to commit it to Christ. Commit all I am, the good, the bad, the ugly part of me, commit all that I am you know, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, give me one good reason why I should. What's one good reason why I should commit everything to Christ? Because you tried everything else and it fails. Nothing else works. Only Jesus has the ability